I'm actually going to try and do some stuff that I haven't done before um, on a Pesach night. We're going to go a little bit deep. I've been studying a Haredi book from the Arizal called Shar HaKavanot. And he, in, in, in Shar Vov, speaks about the Kabbalistic roots of Pesach. So kind of I'm, I'm a little bit um, in a trance at the moment, gone to some, some deep places. And I'm going to try with Hashem's help to help relay it to you in 2021 in a because the Arizal doesn't get higher and deeper, and yet somehow I've now got to, on Facebook and Instagram, give out some of a little bit of his Torah. So it's going to be hard, but we're going to try. So I need some vodka. Orange. Okay, let's begin. Should we begin? I think we're ready to begin. I think we're ready to begin. I don't know where we're going to go, but we're going to begin. Here we go. So tonight I'd like to um, dedicate it tonight first and foremost, to our sponsor of the evening. And it's none of you guys, because you haven't sponsored it, but it's a very holy soul called Mr. Paul Deacon, Hebrew name Yisrael Ben Yitzchak. And he's asked that, in his words, in his words, all his loved ones who in Gan Eden should have an aliyah neshama and have an ascent as a consequence of all the Torah we're learning tonight, and all of his loved ones in this world should only be blessed with tremendous blessings and success both in Ruchnius and in Gashmius and spirituality and materialism, and they should all be able to get out of Egypt along with the whole Jewish people, please God. So thank you so much, Paul, for sponsoring. You're a really good friend. Thank you so much. And Hashem should bless you both in this world and the next. And if any of you would like to sponsor the talks after Pesach, you can. Just let me know. Let me know. So we're going to have a little break, actually, next week for Pesach. So um, you've got a couple of Wednesday nights now to do stuff that you haven't been able to do on a Wednesday night for a while. And then, please God, with Hashem's help, in three weeks' time, we shall start again, I hope. And by the way, it's really interesting, this notion, right? Because I said the whole Jewish people should get out of Egypt. What people don't realize was 3,333 years ago, which is when it happened, all the threes, which is interesting this year, because we're in the year 5781, and it happens in the year 2448 when we went out of Egypt. Actually, I don't know if you're aware, only 20% got out. It says in the Bible in Genesis, only a fifth left, explains Rashi. Only a fifth. That means four fifths. That means 12 million people have got my maths right. The three million went out. So I think I'm right. 12 million perished and passed away in Egypt and didn't make it. And God forbid, God forbid, God forbid a thousand times that. If you think about it, we're about close to the 15 million again. God forbid that 80% wouldn't make it out. And that's really one of my dreams and passions and what keeps me going is to try and get everyone out. So no Jew shall be left behind as the song goes. And we want everyone to come out, all of our loved ones and friends and brothers and sisters and cousins, everyone, everyone, everyone needs to get out of Egypt and please God be redeemed in Israel. That's what we're gonna be hoping for this year. Okay. With that said and done, let's begin. Are you ready to begin? Let's begin. Pesach. So the Kabbalistic Roots of Pesach Part 2, for those um, who haven't watched Part 1, go and watch it later. And you can kind of, it's like, it's not like a movie where if you watch the second part, it spoils the first part. It really hasn't. You can watch it also. Please watch the first part. <sighs> Lani's happy. Her other half is with her. Good. Please God, you're... True Zivog should be with you also very soon, Lani, and, and later as well. Your, your, your male Zivog should also join you 
in Ola Mazer very soon too, along with Katie's and everyone else who's single. The Yosevuk should join you super soon. Okay, this year, Hashana. So just a quick recap for what we did last week, very briefly. What's relevant for tonight? What's relevant to tonight is the Rambam writes, Maimonides writes, that if any of you sit in your Seder night and what you merely do is commemorate, this word I really don't like, it's like an anniversary, a commemoration of a, of a date. If it's merely commemorating what happens, you've kind of missed the point. It says one hasn't fulfilled one's obligation, the Rambam says. One needs to feel as if you yourself has gone out, and he actually says even to portray that, you need to really show off the fact that you were leaving Egypt this Saturday night, because this Motsi Shabbat is your chance to get on a metaphorical plane and to get out of prison. And if you say, I'm not in prison, you're in prison. The fact that we're addicted to our social media is a prison. The fact that we're worshipping money is a prison. The fact that our ego is so prominent is a prison. The fact that we haven't got the base amygdala and we're trapped in exile is a prison. The fact that Satan and the Yitzhah have the upper hand is a prison. The fact that we're in a pandemic is a prison. The fact that every single one of you probably got something that you're wishing for, something that you're struggling with is a prison. The fact that most of you for probably most of the week have been stressed about one thing or another is a pr prison. Anyone that's been depressed or anxious or tense, that's a prison. Any of you that's constrained, it's a prison. Any of you that your soul feels that it just is trapped, it can't get out, it can't really be liberated and, and soar like a bird in the sky, it's a prison. My dear friends, the fact that we're in exile, Hashem's in prison. If Hashem's in prison, we're in prison, we're in prison. But Pesach night is a night we can all get out. It's a night that Hashem's going to take us out. And I'm going to teach you tonight how to get on that plane. So please don't go anywhere because I don't want you to miss the plane. This is how not to do it. This is how not to have Seder night. Are you ready? This is how not to have Seder night. For too many people, Esther's in the house. What's up, Esther? Lovely to see you. Hashem should bless you. What is not Seder night? Even though most people, this is how they do it. First of all, the arguments are starting like now. Like, can I come to you? I want you to come to me, please. Da, da, da. So everyone's going to people. And then, even then, it kicks off in Seder because it's always like one person that wants to do it properly, right? Wants to really like experience Seder night. But most people is like, like, mm, most people are like, let's just get to the food. Let's just get to the food. Can we just get to the mats of the morrow and the main course, life's main course. Like really, we've got to really read all this. Come on, it's an ancient book, ancient text, not really relevant anymore. We've really got to read all of this. And then everyone's having a fight about which chair you're sitting in. You want to be sitting on the other chair. And I don't really want to sit next to that person, but it's your mother. So what? I don't want to sit next to her. So there's all these issues going on, all these conflicts. And first and foremost, that's tragic. Pesach's about unity. It's about love. It's about family. It's about connection. And therefore, don't let the Yitzhah spoil it. Don't let the Yitzhah spoil it. The Yitzhah, the evil inclination, and Satan are employed. That with higher the spiritual moment, they're going to do their very best to spoil it. That's between now and Pesach and, and, and just before Pesach. And then even on Pesach itself, it's going to really try. Shana's in the house. What's up, Shana, right? And, and 
How many people have stupid arguments on Seder night? And then the loss and horror, oh my gosh, the slander and the gossip and the making fun of that relative and the making fun of that person, that person can't sing. And before you know it, Pesach night has become like a lost fest, a, a Bruegas town, a place of conflict. Actually, Egypt itself, hello, don't do that. And, and critically, don't let Seder night just be another Seder night, just another night where we're just going through this book, a little bit of it. You know, normally by the time you finish the food, that's it, everyone's off. They don't realize actually the Seder hasn't finished. There's 15 steps, everybody, 10 plus five, not just like one, the food, right? Everyone thinks it's just Shulchan Aruch. Maybe the Matzah, the Morris, a little three. Sorry, there's actually 15. There's actually stuff you do after you do grace after meals. Stay, Niritzah is one of the most beautiful things. Do you know what Niritzah means? We're gonna see it hopefully soon. The 15th step is the step that Hashem says, I love you, I'm proud of you. I accept your Pesach, you're out of Egypt. Don't go before that. That's like super important if you wanna get out, but most people are like already doing other stuff. And one last thing before we get into the Kabbalistic roots of Pesach. Even for those who it's kind of customary to have their phone with them 24 seven, even on festivals, if you're watching this talk, please do me the honor do yourself the honor, do Hashem the honor of not having your phone with you on Seder night. If you want to talk about freedom and you want to talk about you're not a slave, so don't be a slave to your iPhone on Seder night. Try and just have phone away, apart from the fact, obviously, it's Yom Tov and, and from a halachic perspective, it's really a bad idea to have our phones. So with that said and done, even if you're not holding there, just from your perspective, try not to have your phone because from a cathartic, liberating, beautiful experience, I think one of these slaveries nowadays is our addiction to social media. So at least for one night only, as the song goes, for one night only, let's just keep your phones away for Seder night. And what's again super interesting is Shavuot, for example, most Jews haven't got a clue even if it exists, what it is, even Sukkot, but isn't it interesting how the majority of the Jewish people will be some in some shape, way or form sitting down for Seder? It's interesting, as we said last week, is because the Torah says it's an eternal decree. Even if you're running, I'm gonna find you, says Hashem. And Hashem is gonna find you, but I know you're gonna be there, but now what I want you to do is really get on that plane, because that's the problem. Too many people are left in the airport. So how do we get on the plane? How do we do it? So first of all, let's start off with like this, freedom. What is freedom? And I wanna hear from you just for a little moment. Text in right now, text in like, chat in, your definition of freedom. Define freedom, go on Instagram, Facebook right now. You have 30 seconds to define freedom. I wanna hear, I'm gonna read out your quotes of freedom. Let's see who can be the most profound. Give me some profound quotes of freedom. What is freedom? Because kind of, if you put it on Wikipedia, you'll get the freedom, which in Hebrew, cheros, is essentially, and I bet this is what you're thinking, to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, whatever you want, take what you want. You know, people think of like Holland and Amsterdam, everyone like makes a gag when someone's, they're going off to Amsterdam because they get, you can kind of like smoke whatever you want there. So some people think it's free, it's freedom not to have rules. It's freedom to be able to have whatever drugs you want. It's freedom 
you know, to come home whatever time you want to come home. But my dear friends, my dear friends, that's not freedom. And like everything in Kabbalah, it's always the opposite of what you think it is. Come on, Shana, give me a definition of freedom. What, what is freedom? So you holy, holy dudes are giving me about the worrying. Come on, Amy. What does the Rebbe and Amy say? Not worrying about anything. But it's, okay, you're saying that. You're saying that, but that's good. That means that's actually happiness. But freedom, what is freedom? So Sherry's saying having autonomy. Go on, Johnny. What's freedom, mate? And Shem should give Johnny Kaplan there a refor shalem. He's not feeling too well. Feel good, Johnny. So what, what is what what is freedom? So let me tell you what it is according to Pirkei Ovis. Pirkei Ovis says in the Ethics of Our Fathers, the Sefer that Johnny finished. We haven't done a see him yet. Ein ben chayrin batara, first and foremost, it says. Which is, you can't be free unless you're engaged in Torah. What does that mean? What does that mean? Who is the free person? Is the free person the person that just wants to chat whatever they want and say whatever comes out of their mouth and goes to the bar and just gossips and gossips and chats and chats and whatever kind of the Yitzhahara wants to throw out of your mouth comes out your mouth? Or is the free person my father who, when he was alive in this world in the 49 years that I was here, I never heard one word of Loshan horror of gossip coming out of his mouth. He had total self-control and freedom of his mouth to only say that which his soul wanted him to say. Meaning, you could look at the laws of Lashon Hara and say, ugh, so restrictive, so annoying. You know, how many people look at Shabbos is like, ugh, I can't do this. And I can't, I just spoke about trying not to have your phone around on Saturday night. Some people are like, ugh, do you mean not to have my phone? I can't think of anything more horrendous. By the way, there's nothing more beautiful Beautiful. They're not having your phone around. But, so cathartic, right? But freedom is actually having a framework. Shabbos is the most freeing, most peaceful day. Why? Yeah, any of you have watched The Matrix? There's a, there's a beautiful line in The Matrix which says, and I highly recommend you watch it, it's really deep. It says that Either which way, Neo, you're a slave. Either which way, Neo, you're a slave. And so obviously Neo is an acronym of the one and it's referring to really all of us. That either which way we're a slave, the Talmud says that we're slaves. It's funny, we talk about coming out of Egypt. Avodim hoyinu. We were slaves in Egypt when, you know, Sherry there was the one who asked the Manishtana tonight. Well on you, Sherry. She asked, why is this night different from all other nights? The answer to Manishtana is Avadim Hayinu, meaning we were slaves and we're no longer slaves, but we are slaves because the Talmud says, our job is to be Avde Hashem, servants of Hashem. I'm of service. We're all meant to be of service in this world. So the question is, who are you meant to be of service to? Are you a slave to your ego? Are you, are you a slave to your animal side? Are you a slave to your animal instincts? Are you a slave to your employer? Are you a slave to Satan, God forbid? Or are you a slave to Hashem? My dear friends, the Ramchal explains there's nothing in between. Nothing, not that in between. It's not like, I'm just like chilling. I'm just like not a slave at all. I'm just like, I'm just like me. No, everyone's a slave. 
Everybody's a slave. Everyone's a slave. Because we have an ego and we have, we have, and we have an asama. So the question is, who's ruling who? Is the ego got the reins? Like the analogy we've given many times, you're driving on a horse. Who's the horse and who's the rider? There's nothing like, there's not like a spectator watching the game. We're not spectators. We're players. You're either being ridden or you're riding. Either, either you're a slave. I wish, I wish they were slaves to Hashem because to a slave to Hashem, it means that whatever you want, Hashem, you want us to learn Torah on Wednesday night together, we're going to learn Torah. There's someone in need, I'm going to go and help them. I've got an opportunity to speak. I'm only going to speak words of goodness and, and words of truth. The way Rabbi Tatz puts it, only ever speak something which is necessary, which is true and which is kind. And the most people, you're lucky if there's even one of those three, you know? And, and, and that's so interesting because Pesach is about Peh. The word Peh is so important. The mouth is pivotal. The, the, the mystics write that when it comes to the, the organ of this month, Nisan of Aries is the, the mouth. It's all about the mouth. That's the people who are born in this mouth is very, very mouthy generally, right? Because their solutions or their problems are found with the mouth. So what I'm trying to say is real liberty, genuine freedom is when we're free from our ego and slaves to Hashem. Now we're talking. That's freedom. Freedom is that we're free from the Yitzhahara. We're free from peer pressure. We're free free from a low self-esteem. We're free to serve Hashem. And, and that was the real slavery that was happening in Egypt. It wasn't just that we were building pyramids. It was that there was Tumah. Miriam, thank you for joining. What's up? Well done, Ari. See, you get the mitzvah of Miriam coming. When we were in Egypt, Pharaoh specifically was employed by God to bring us down spiritually to trap us spiritually, to harm us. And we descended tragically to the 49th lowest level. So it wasn't a physical slavery, it was a spiritual slavery. And that's where we're in now during the pandemic. It's more of, it's even harder to do mitzvahs. It's even harder for our soul to soar. It's even harder to do chesed with each other. It's even harder. I'd love to have many of you to spend seder with you, but for the pandemic reasons we can't this year. So that's where the real imprisonment is. It's an imprisonment of the fact that we can be a community. It's an imprisonment of the fact that we can't have a base hamigdosh. That's what slavery is. And therefore free, and therefore something like Shabbos with all the so-called restrictions, they're not restrictions, they're enablers to make you free because you're only free when there's a framework. And I'll give you an example, please God. And you can say on main to this one, for those who are looking to have children, Hashem should bless you all to, after you're married, to merit, to have many beautiful boys and girls which light up the world with Torah and mitzvahs. Amen. You say on amen. So when you do that, and please God, when you're a parent, I really hope you're not going to be the parent that says, guys, I want you to be free. Do what you want. Do whatever you want. There's no rules because we're living in a very free home. Eat what you want, do what you want, play with what you want. If it's like three in the morning and you just want to leave the house, no problem. God forbid you're not going to do that because you're going to love them. You're just going to make beautiful rules. But rules to free your children. Rules to give your children the best chance of leading a healthy, mature, balanced lifestyle. 
you with me and 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 therefore it's funny a lot of children who hated rules but when they become parents they're straight on to the rules because you need rules so rules aren't bad rules are good if they give you that framework to be free there's a beautiful quote that i saw from a bengali poet who writes a beautiful line tagore wrote i have on my table he writes it a, st a string of the violin it's just a string of the violin and that violin string is free. It's free to move. It's free to do whatever it wants. Yet that string is not yet free to sing. So take it and fix it. And when it's bound, now it's free for the first time to sing. What a beautiful idea. It's exactly what we're saying. What the Torah does is gives you that framework gives those strings, those 613 strings to enable us to sing, to enable us to dance, to enable us to soar, to enable us to utilize all the beautiful talents that Hashem's given us. So please, never ever again, let you or anyone in your world think that the Torah has got 613 restrictions. God forbid, there are 613 beautiful strings of the most incredible violin, which is gonna enable you to, to play the most enchanting, gorgeous music. Are you with me? Exactly. You know, in the way I also like to put it from Rabbi Kellerman is halacha, is, is there's so many laws in Judaism, but those laws are because Hashem loves us so much. He wants to be in our life. He wants to be able from the moment when we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. A bit like my wife wants more than anything, more than anything, my wife just wants to know that she's... I'm, she's on my mind, right? That, that, that she's my priority. Whatever I'm doing, she always says, you know, you can go to Israel for a couple of weeks, but without me, but I just want to know that you, I am the most important thing in your life. And it's the same thing with Hashem. Hashem just wants us to be his servants, not for him, but for us. Because when we're servants of Hashem, then we're fulfilling the purpose of our soul and the purpose of mankind. And that's the freedom that Hashem wants us to have on Pesach. He's trying to enable our souls to be free from the shackles of the, of the taskmasters of our Yetzirah and the taskmasters of Satan that's trying to punish us and it's trying to disconnect us from, from Hashem. So that's the first thing. It's really important to understand what the freedom is. And I think it's a nice little topic of conversation to have at your Seder night because it's so important that during your Seder, you just... Ask questions. Ask, 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 ask. Obviously not like silly questions, like what's the capital of, uh, of, of France or something like that, right? You should be asking quest spiritual questions, questions of what's on your mind. As we're going to see soon. It says in the Torah, let your son ask, what are those for you don't have a son? So please, God, you should have a son soon. First, another Romain. Second, second, it's also the mystic saying referring to your inner child. It's to your inner child that your inner child needs to be able to share and to talk and to ask. And that's what Magid is. Magid during the Seder night is an opportunity to share and to, and to feel free and to, and to really be liberated. And the more you ask, the better. So of all the nights to ask questions this Saturday night, and for those people who are not lucky enough to be in Israel on Sunday night as well, to ask to, to ask questions. 
So now we've given that background, let's start talking about the unique aspect of the, the energy of Seder night. What's so energetic about it? What's so unique about it? So the first principle you need to understand is there's going to be different ways Hashem supports us in life. The majority way Hashem supports us and inspires us is a partnership between us and Him. And Hashem really wants us, most of the time, to do the spiritual initial move. If we're playing a chess match with God, Rabbi Dessler asks and says a bit life is a little bit like a chess match between us and Hashem. You're making a move, Hashem makes a move back with providence. Who's playing white? Hashem plays white. Most of the time, because he created the world. But most of the time in our interactions with him, Hashem waits for you to make that first move. So when it comes to spirituality, as the Talmud says, You open up for me the opening, the size of like a pinprick. And then I will open up an opening the size of a great hallway. So you make the first, God helps those that help themselves. You make the first start and then... Hashem's going to help you tremendously. That's normally, but not Seder night, my friends. On Seder night, it ain't like that. On Seder night, it's called Israsadila Eila, awakening from above. Hashem's going to come and just lift you out of Egypt. It's going to take you out. And there's a beautiful line I want to share with you, which is from Shir Hashirim. And the mystics say, and I really recommend this, after your Seder night, don't go back to doing just rubbish stuff, normal stuff, ego stuff, slave stuff. Read Shir Hashirim. It's a beautiful book written by King Solomon. Really connecting to Pesach, which is about love. It's the festival of love. It's the festival of Chesed. It's the festival of Abraham. We're taught that the Pesach, Shavuot and Sukkot are connected to the three patriarchs. And Abraham is the festival of Pesach. It's a festival about total love. It's, it's that mother, that mother that's just had a newborn baby, that feeling of love that the mother at that moment has for that newborn baby. And that first night when and the mum's just holding onto the baby with tremendous love, that's the love that Hashem has for us. Always, but very much focused and directed on, on Pesach night. And this is a beautiful line I just wanted to share with you, which I think in Rabbi Dessler writes, sums up and embodies and epitomizes Pesach. And that line is from Shir Hashem, and it says like this, Kol Dodi, voice, which means, the sounds of my beloved. Behold, he is coming, skipping over the mountains, jumping over the hills. I even get a, a, a shout out, right? He, my name in Hebrew is Giva, right? So, which means that Hashem is skipping over the mountains to the you. He's literally he's coming dancing and he's going to be just so fast before you know it. Bam, swooping and soaring and just giving you the most incredible hug and lifting you out of your troubles. That, that, that's what's happening. I'm going to read your thing in a minute, Ricky. Ricky, I can see it's deep. Let me just finish this idea. So this verse is really embodying the energy of Pesach. As I said, most festivals, we've got to do the work. Mekadesh, Yisrael, Vahazman, and you put the work in. Pesach, a bit like Shabbos, one of the names of Pesach in the Bible is actually Shabbos. There's just this energy that comes in, this love that comes in and swoops and saves you. It's like the hero's just going to come on the white horse and just rescue you. 
That's what's going to happen. We're all going to be rescued this Seder night if we know how to get on the plane, which we're getting to. So practically, what do you have to do between now and, and Seder night? Just a few little practical things. So if I just go through quickly the, the 15 order, I mean, let me just read what Ricky wrote first. One second. Ricky is saying, so in essence, maybe we are allowing all the inner little me to come out and share, giving a little an opportunity we had previously to shine, to express beautiful, 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 Ricky. Exactly, 100%. It's enabling the real us to be liberated. But this is the irony, to be liberated, we need to be slaves to Hashem. We need to be so in love with Hashem that whatever Hashem wants, whatever he wants, we just magnetically react to every movement that he wants. And we just know, we're just in fusion, aligning ourselves to the love of Hashem. That's the goal. And then we're free, free from the ego, but slaves to Hashem. You can never be totally free. You've got to decide who you're going to be a slave to. And if you think that you want a bit of both, the best of both worlds, doesn't work like that because the moment you're a slave to your Yitzhahara, you've kind of abandoned Hashem for that moment. We can do Teshuvah, we can repent, we can come back. We hope we can do that. So the practical things. First of all, Seder. Why is it called Seder? What does Seder mean? Anyone just type in to me. Come on, type in. What does the word, who is Maya Malik on, on, on uh, Instagram? Thank you so much for a nice comment. Who are you? Right? Um, by the way, those people that don't know me, please, 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 either tonight or, you know, sometime whenever you're watching this on, on the replays, just message me saying, hi, this is me. Nice to meet you. And then it'll be lovely to meet you back. Um, so Shana's got it right. You're still listening, Shana. What? Fab. Right? It means order. We're going for the order, order, order. It means order. So here's the question. So is this Fas MS, the great holy Hasidic Rebbe, this Fas MS, right? Really? It's order? It's the normal order of events? Are you joking? It's one night, which is mad. It's a mad night. It's a crazy night. It's the most disorderly, dysfunctional, off-the-wall night ever. You know, we're going to be eating supper way late at night. Who, who does that? By the way, if you're going to like some holy seder where they're going to be chatting for a long time and eating later, just simply eat first so Saturday you've got this going to be Shabbos going in which by the way Kabbalistically is very powerful because as you're entering into the download of Pesach you've had Shabbos as well so you're really going to be hopefully if you've played your cards right very clean very receptive you know very receptive to the download that's going to be coming on 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 Saturday night going from Shabbos into Pesach it's a very big blessing it's a better opportunity to catch the plane so just eat a little bit. Eat first. And then, and then you're not going to be so, um, like, hungry. Even though you shouldn't be hungry, you should be hungry for freedom. And then you'll be fine. But anyway, it means, Shana says, order. If it means order, but it's not order. It's anything but order. How can Pesach night be order? It's mad. It's a crazy night. You're having mora, then you're having matzah. Then, you know, some of the guys are wearing white. Some, you know, the Svadim are going around the room with, like, Stuff on their back getting whipped. Like, it's a mad night. They're singing at two in the morning. There's, like, matzah. Like, really? Like, who is up for the, who is up for the matzah? Really? And, and we're having, like, tons of it. Do you know you're meant to be having three huge pieces of matzah through the night? It's not like a little bite and I've, I've done my matzah. Sorry, you've got to have a whole sheet of matzah times three. 
as we're going to see soon. One, so it's, it's, it's a disorderly night, says the Sfas Emes. It's a night of chaos, says the Sfas Emes. Listen to this. Listen to this. Because for the Jewish people, Balagan is our order. It could be called Balagan, the night of Balagan. Look at the Israeli elections, biggest Balagan ever. Right? Sean has been speaking a lot about it, I'm sure. Doesn't get more of a balagan, shouldn't surprise you. Politics is a balagan, Israel is a balagan, put them together, biggest balagan, because the Jewish people, until Mashiach comes, it's only going to be chaos, ups and downs. That's who we are, my friends. That's who we are. We're a nation of, you know, within an hour of us being Gan Eden, we're messing it up and we will go into the world of chaos straight after Shabbat. And then the flood of Noah, and then eventually with the Jewish nation itself, with, with Avraham, straight away you have the problems with Ishmael and Yitzhak, and then Yitzhak has the problems with Yaakov and Esau, and then finally you've got the brothers together, and then they're having a huge fight. And now Joseph is in Egypt, not only in Egypt, he goes in prison in Egypt, which is the word again, Egypt, Mitzrayim, stands for Mitzrayim, imprisonment, limitation. You have to understand, Egypt means a prison. So for Yosef to be in a prison, in a prison, doesn't get worse than that. And then he's liberated. And, and the next second, he's the president of the country. He's the second in command. How the, how, that's the story of the Jewish people. From we're in the Holocaust. It's nearly all over. There's nearly nothing left of us. And a few years later, we get the biggest miracle ever that 2,000 years later, we're allowed back in the land of Israel. Welcome to the Seder of the Jewish people. The Seder, the order of the Jewish people is a balagan. Don't expect an easy ride. I'm very blessed that I've got many of, of my students, even some of you listening, who are going through conversion. When someone wants to come to me and says, I want to convert to Judaism, first of all, like, are you crazy? It's, it's chaotic. Like, can't genuinely want a quiet life. Like, Judaism is definitely not a quiet life. We are a nation of ups and downs, like nothing. No nation like us. That's one of the most important songs we're going to be singing on Sezenai. In every nation, someone comes to Chalusayim to destroy us. In this country that I'm in right now, in London, they tried to chuck us out of England in, in, in the end of the 13th century. In Spain, he'd been thrown out. And everyone's had a go. That's who we are. And by the way, it says, What is the Vehi? What is that stood us? What's withstood us? So my dad's good friend, Chaim Gushovsky, used to say, Vehi stands for Vov is the six books of the Mishnah keeps us, the oral law keeps us strong, keeps us, Hashem saves us because of the Mishnah. The Hey, the five books of the Torah, the Yud, the Ten Commandments, and the Aleph, our belief in Hashem, our belief in Shema, it's that which is going to keep the Jewish people progressing and surviving and thriving. So that's the secret of Jewish survival. But that's what the Sfas Emes says. It's called a Seder because actually that does embodies this. And by the way, if I ask you on, on, on a different note, if I ask you, Makore, Manishma. So often what's the Israeli response? Anyone to throw it in? You can write it in. If I say Manishma, what's the response that you give if you're living in Tel Aviv? Right? People say, Kol Beseder. So the mystics actually laugh at that. The mystics say, never a truer, two words have been spoken. Hakol beseda, which means, they say, Sherry, hakol beseda, which means everything's in the seda, which means the DNA of our spiritual existence is all found in the secrets of the 15 steps of seda night. And we definitely haven't got time to go through all the 15 steps properly, but let's just quickly say what those 15 steps are. 
In fact, just before that, actually, there's a little quick little story for you. One of my students, when I was teaching in Golders Green in, in London, there was this Israeli girl from Hatzliya who's quite a famous dancer and she was coming in the Wednesday nights week after week and, she, and like your classic cynical Israeli she had all the questions all the tough questions you know it's really funny when like when I meet people the more cynical they are they have like these walls in front of them it's like hmm I think you know I don't approve I don't agree with the word you're saying da 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 but I just want to listen because don't know why, right? So she had that kind of reaction. So she had all the walls. She had all these questions week after week. And, and Danny L. Rothman, Danny Rothman, for about seven years was coming in and out of our classes, interested, fascinated, intrigued, questions after questions after questions after questions after questions. But she didn't really want to integrate. She wasn't ready to integrate what she was hearing into her own life. She was a famous dancer and she was dancing at that point in Michael Jackson's thriller, in, in, in Asia, and I'll never forget, I get a call from her just before Pesach, around this time. And she's like, Rabbi Hill, what do I do? I've just found out that the, the big um, show is actually on Seder night itself. It's actually on Seder night. And you know, I, I don't really observe anything. I don't observe anything. And, but you know what, I think this year I'd like to do something, just something. I like, I'd like to tap in a little bit to the energy and maybe somehow get on the plane spiritually to leave. But how do I get on the plane if I'm like dancing on the show? <clears throat> I'm like, okay, what do we say here? And Hashem just put into my head that there's actually this line in the Megillah, in the Haggadah. There's a line in the Haggadah which says that if you say Pesach, Matzah, Amora, to say these words, Pesach, Matzah, Amora, that's the shortcut for fulfilling your obligation. Amazing line in, in, the, in the, and I don't recommend you do this, please don't do this. But if, God forbid, you're ever in an emergency where, for whatever reason, you can't be a Seder night and you can't do anything at all, at least say the three words. So she said, I can do that. I can go backstage. And Danny said that she went during the show backstage. She said, Hashem, this one's for you. Pesach, Matzah, Mara. And she says at that moment after she said that, she felt something in her heart that she'd never felt before. And she knew that from now on, she really wants to do this properly. And she now realized she wants to be of service to Hashem. She wants to actually do what Hashem wants and not anymore what her manager wants or what money wants or what fame wants. And that was the moment she chose to try go down an observant life and this amazing young woman, Danny Rothman, is now a Rebetzin, would you believe? She's actually a Rebetzin living in Israel with beautiful children, married to a rabbi, and, and uh, she's a real inspiration. And that's an amazing story that I love that really, really helped us. So, so that's the shortcut. Don't do that. But what we do do is the 15 steps. Now, question, anyone know why 15? Like numbers are really important on Seder. Number 15 is really important. The number four is really important. Any, anyone know what 15 is about? Anyone know? Come on. What's the f number 15 in Judaism? What's 15? So 15 is, first of all, one of the names of Hashem, Yud and the Hay, comes to 15. <laughs> right? 15, 15 is the steps to the base Hamikdash. 
15, it's amazing, there are 15 steps up to the temple. It's not a coincidence, not like that's what the architect did. Very good, Crystal, very good. The Holy Crystal, Aviv is numerical value 15. But why, Crystal? So now what's 15? So from a, from a very mystical perspective, it's really, it is the Yud and the He. That's why King David wrote 15 Shira Malosis, right? 15, there are 15 spiritual steps to the temple, 15 spiritual steps to liberty. They were trying to get to ultimate redemption, so we need to go through these 15 steps. Those three was kind of an emergency, but generally you need the 15 steps. And they are <clears throat> Kadesh, which we're gonna see soon. So first of all, make sure <clears throat> you've got <clears throat> your bottles of wine or grape juice or the, the blue bottle, which we like in our house because we like sweet stuff. So uh, the blue bottle. And so have some, your wine or grape juice, but very important, don't just like have a little sip. I've had my four cups of wine. Very important to get it right because again, the white, you know, so, so many of you, when you put in your Wi-Fi password, you're so meticulous. The big letters, the small letters, the little dash, the little dot, it's gotta be perfect, otherwise no Wi-Fi. My dear friends, <clears throat> if you want the Wi-Fi to work and you wanna get connected and you wanna get on that plane, we need to be exact. That's the idea of halakha. It's not some, as I said, restrictive, irrelevant system to make up rules just for the sake of it. God forbid, they're very, it's a whole electrical system that we're using here. So for you to really maximize and get to a maximum amount of freedom, <clears throat> you need to have a cup around this kind of size, right? Your normal life, you know, like the cups in the, in the water machines that you there's little plastic cups right so just around this kind of plastic size cup and the majority of it, you should have the majority of that cup you should have the majority of the cup or like so it shouldn't be like a small becher it should be like a good size becher with the majority that's the first thing make sure you have the majority of the cup number one number two for the matzah make sure again you have a whole sheet of matzah it's got to be kazais of matzah shouldn't be a little nibble of matzah so it's the key mitzvahs from the torah kiddush Matzah, mora, again, don't have a little bit of less. It's got the volume of the size of an olive. You've got to have. But I want to share with you something very deep now. Here we go. This is really the, the main course of my talk tonight. Kadesh Orchatz. Kadesh Orchatz is the secret. You see, normally it should be Rechatz Kadesh. It really shouldn't even be Orchatz. It should just be Rechatz. means wash. And then Kaddish, why? Because normally spirituality works. That first of all, we clean up. And then we sanctify. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. You know, before you have Hamotzi, we wash the hands. We, we, before Shabbat, we're washing and we're bathing. A woman goes to the mikveh, there's washing. There's, we wash out ourselves. We clean up. We get ready. The pandemic's taught us how to wash hands, the importance of, of being clean. So normally, Hashem, as we said, he says, you make the first move. You want to repent? You've got to want to repent. I can't repent for you. You've got to make the move first. But yet, Pesach night is different. It's Kadesh and Orchat. There's just this holiness. Now let's get to the number four. The number four is critical. We spoke about 15, the Yud and the A. What is the four? The four cups of wine. There's the, any other fours? What are the other fours? Please write it down. What are the other fours of Satanite? Write down or forever hold your peace. What are the, uh, 
There's four fours of say tonight. So I started one four cups of wine. What are the other three fours? Anyone? Okay. What's the, anyone else? So you've got, you've got the four sons. Good, Katie. What else do we have? All right. It's the four sons, Ari. Correct. You're saying the sons. Give me someone else. What's the other two? So we know the four sons. What are the other fours? Come on, Sherry. You asked it before. There are four. Manishtana halailaze. We're going to get to the full mothers. Good. Johnny, Johnny, behave yourself. Johnny, it's very important. Johnny Kaplan, I'm trying to get you married off to one of my holy girls here. Please don't tell them there's four fathers, right? That's going to be really messed up, right? Four questions. There's four questions. The four Manishtanas, right? You've got the four Manishtanas. And very good, Lani. My holy, holy, holy Kabbalist. Lani is writing down the four, and Anita, because she asked me this on Monday night, what are the four terms of redemption? What are they? Anyone know actually the names of them? So it's in the book of Shemot, chapter six, verse six is where it's from. It says, Sesi, Hashem will bring you out. Salti, he'll save you. Alti, he'll redeem you. Vlokachti, and I took them out. Four terms. By the way, as my friend said to me this week, but there's always a hidden fifth. There's always the hidden fifth. We've got the fifth cup, the Elijah cup, and there's a hidden fifth expression in the next verse, which is Behevesi, and I'm going to bring you to Israel, which is amazing because even though we're in Israel now, we still haven't truly, truly completed Behevesi because we're still living in exile, because we've still got crazy elections, because we're still not free to really feel connected to Hashem and to keep the mitzvahs the way Hashem wants us to on the highest level. So that fifth expression hasn't totally been achieved yet. We're getting closer, but we're not there yet. So it's these four. So why four? What's the four? So there's one aspect, very important part of Seder night, my friends, is one of the key names of Hashem. The Yud and then the He and the Vav and the He. And these are the four steps. And each cup of wine is alluding to one of those Letters of Hashem's name. And by the end of Seder night, we're completing and expressing Hashem's name. On a different parallel, there are four worlds. I don't know if you know this. We're now only living in one of the four worlds which are out there. There's the world of Olam. We're living in the world of Olam Ha'asiyah. This is the, but the way Hashem made it. There's the first world Hashem made. is the world of... Anyone know what it's called? Come on, Lani, my Kabbalistic holy woman in Tel Aviv. Anyone know? What's the first world? It's called Atsilus which means Etzel, right next to Hashem. So essentially, when Hashem wants to have a relationship with us, he didn't just say, hey, come be my neighbor. We wouldn't be able to cope in the light. So Hashem had to create like a phase approach. He created the first world called Atzilos, and then a lot of stuff is happening in Atzilos. And then the next world Hashem creates is called Berea, where Bora, and then Yitzira, formation, then finally Asiya. So what, my friends, do you know what's happening when you're going through your Seder night and Motzei Shabbat? You're affecting four worlds. It's crazy, no? When you're just drinking the wine, sitting in your chair in this world, it's, it's changing universes, not just this universe, but four worlds are, are experiencing change as a result of our spiritual actions. So that's alluding to these four, but there's a final four, which I found this year from this very holy book that I can recommend you can check out and look and see if you can understand it in any shape, way or form. Maybe like go to the mikvah first and, and 
purify yourself in a very deep way beforehand. But it's the book from Reb Chaim Vital wrote from his teacher, the Arizal. And it's called Shar HaKavanot. And in Jerush Vov, he talks about Pesach and he explains, and this is the key my point tonight. During Seder night, you are going to receive four levels of expanded consciousness. Meaning, during the day, even now, we're talking to you now. You know, we're still, hopefully now because we're learning Torah, there is what's called a gadlus demoichin, an expansion of consciousness. You know, when you're being childish and you're, you know, chilling out, you know, going out, partying with your friends, that's what we call the cutness. We're in a, we're in a state of childishness. But the real goal is to be in a state of gadlus demoichin. Moichin means come the word noach, minds, where essentially there's sparks of gifts from Hashem. Hashem's bringing you, do you know, sometimes you just wake up in a great mood and then sometimes you're in a bad mood. That's because of your moichin at that point. Hashem's just put you in this frame of mind, of mindset. And then it's up to you what you then do with that mindset. Do you want to continue expanding it and get to a place of higher consciousness? Or do we get into a very childish Yitzhahara kind of place? Say tonight, there's going to be a four-step process. And the way it's called, from the result, is called, <clears throat> it's called the following, it's called Godless Rishon, and then Katnus Rishon, and then Godless Shani and Katnus Shani. What does this all mean? Watch this, it will change your life. Please don't go anywhere for the next five minutes because this is awesome. And this can change your life, not just for Seder night, but during the year as well. Let me explain to you what the first step is. And actually, those of you, I really, really recommend that before Seder night, you don't just like go into Seder night, you pray first. Before Seder night starts, even if you come five minutes late, it's on me. You open the Siddur and you say Shema. And then you say the Amidah of Seder night and then you make a prayer to God for all the things you want. And at that moment, even in the evening service, there'll be, there'll be an expansion of consciousness. You'll, you, if you want, if you can access that Wi-Fi, can access like a very high level of consciousness, a high level of clarity, a high level of happiness, a high level of joy. The only way I can explain it to you, my friends, before I forget, so I want to dedicate some of the Torah we're learning tonight for my father in Gan Eden. This is my first year without him on Seder night, which is, you know, very uh, historical and 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 and. He's going to be, please God, in a very beautiful place and having a Seder night with his teachers, perhaps with his family, with his parents, but also with a big tzaddikim. He used to love the Rambam and he used to love, love Seder night so much. And I'm really sure he's going to have a super high Seder night. So here we go. This is what happens. I was literally walking a few Seder nights ago in London and... I'll never forget, even just coming back from Shoal, I was standing by my lamppost in Finchley Lane in Hendon. And my dear friends, I can't explain other than everything looked different. Everything just looked different. Just looked different. The world looked so beautiful, so hopeful, so godly, so infinite. I can't explain the road that I've probably lived in most of my life because my parents lived in the house next door to me as well. So literally, Finchley Lane has been where... Avi Hill has resided kind of like forever. It just looked different that night. 
literally, literally look different. Felt, I just, and at that point, there was no more doubt in me. I knew my potential. I knew what I was capable of, but I knew what Hashem was. And it was, I can't explain. And I wasn't expecting it, it just like came. And it was just so beautiful. It's like there's a painting you see generally, and then one day you just see it, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And you see that about the world, you can see that about your loved ones, you see that about yourself, you see that about Hashem. That is this gift that's gonna come into your consciousness, and that's called Gavlus de Moichin, and it's expanded consciousness. And why it's Kadesh Orchat, I'll give you a beautiful analogy that I heard from a great teacher called Rabbi Dovbeer Pinson that I recommend you, you listen to his stuff. He's a very holy man with beautiful ways. It's very hard to take Kabbalistic ideas and break it down into a modern language, and he does it beautifully. So this is the analogy he gives, but I'd like to give it with a bit of a story. If it, happened, well, it happened to me, if you're okay with that. You're up for a little story? This is a fun story. It's a good story. I like this story. Can't believe this happened. And it's interesting. The Nesiv Shalom, the Slonim Rebbe says that actually one of the most important parts of Pesach is called Rosh Hashanah for Emunah. Rosh Hashanah for faith. It's really all about faith. Really, that's freedom, which is interesting. So I was speaking to people, even today, who struggling. And the moment you really have a munah, there's no more struggles. You're actually free. You're free. The greatest sadiqim spent time in prisons, but they weren't slaves because they had a munah. A munah is the secret, really. A munah is the secret. So one of the things I think we learn, should learn a munah from in, in, a, in a contemporary world is ways. Any of you use ways? Any of you are like ways users? But dafka use ways in a place like you've no idea. So some of you have made, made aliyah, right? If you've made Aliyah and you don't know Israel and then you're using ways to drive around. So that's a really amazing level of Emunah. If only we had as much Emunah in Hashem as we have in ways. Because there are times, especially like I went on holiday this time and I had no idea where I was. And I just literally was blindly, faithfully following ways. Which is mad if you think about it. Because like whatever he said, I did. Well, she, by the way, is always... Um, um, Someone that sounds like my wife, telling me where to go, right? So, so Waze is now telling me to go left, to go right, to go up, to go down, fine. So I'm doing whatever it says. And then it's taking me down this country lane. And I'm thinking, I don't think this is the way, but if, you know, if, if she says it, then it must be the right thing to do. So I'm going down this country lane. And my dear friends, at that point, it says, now turn right. So again, you just do whatever Waze says, you know, Waze says jump, you say, oh, hi, it says right. So I went right. And I went right straight. And I'm like, are you sure this is the right place, Mrs. Ways? And, and, and as I'm going forward and forward, I see in front of me two big, scary cows. I'm not sure who was more scared, me or them. I'm now in a field with cows. And I'm thinking, this isn't where we're looking to get to. You know, I didn't book a holiday with cows in a field. And... At that point, it was so muddy in that field that the car got stuck in the field. So now the car, so it's like, it wasn't a good, you know, beginning to the holiday, right? So now you're, you're stuck in the mud. And what you do is you, you press the accelerator to try and get out. And then you don't do that because that just made it way worse. So now I'm stuck in the mud with the cows who are very upset with me for like trespassing in their field. And they're kind of like threatening me with all sorts of, very, very rude language. So 
So at that point, I just have to like call the emergencies to come and, and um, my car service to come and rescue me from these cows and get me out because there was no way, because I wasn't getting out. And, and essentially, they came in and they had to lift me out. And at that point, I understood Sadonite. What do I mean? Listen to this, it's beautiful. Sometimes you're so stuck. Sometimes, God forbid, you're in a place of such imprisonment. You're in Egypt in such a way you can't get out yourself. And actually, if you try, it makes it worse. It actually makes it worse. So the only thing you need to do is just say, Hashem, I need your help. And only Hashem can take you out. And that's why it's Hashem who takes you out of Egypt. Because actually, you can't really get out of Egypt yourself. You can't get out of Egypt. Egypt, you can't get out of yourself. Other areas you can get out yourself, but when it comes to literally Mitzrayim, the Jewish people, 3,333 years ago, we were so low, we were, on the, we were nothing, we were about to disintegrate. Another minute Hashem would have waited, we wouldn't be here now having this conversation. Only Hashem had to swoop in with his love and save us. And Hashem does that to us every year, if you let him. And Hashem will swoop you and save you and take you out. And I understood now a beautiful piece of Talmud in Brachot, page five, which says the following, Rabbi Yochanan, because I do a bit of Reiki healing, so it made me very interested, because it says in the Talmud, Rabbi Yochanan was a healer. When people, we were sick, he used to go and say, he used to say very nice words. He goes, do, do, do you like your suffering? Are you up for your suffering? Do you wanna, do you wanna stay suffering? Because some, from a spiritual perspective, suffering can be really good. So he used to go to people when they just really had enough, when they were so ill, they were just like done with it. They say, they said, I don't want it anymore. I just want to get better. Just get me better right now. I didn't want the rewards for it. I just want to get better. So Rebbe says, okay, you're in that kind of emergency situation. No problem. And he said, he put his hands on them and healed them and they walked away. But then it says one day Rabbi then got ill. And when Rabbi then got ill, the Talmud says his student came and his students put his hands on him and healed him. And asked the Talmud, but Rabbi Yochanan is the healer, so why couldn't Rabbi Yochanan heal himself? And the Talmud has this cryptical, beautiful answer, which is, in Hebrew, Ein chavosh, matir surim. Someone who's a captive can't rescue himself from prison. If you're stuck in prison, you can't be the one to get yourself out. You need someone else to help you get out. This is so deep, so deep. So first of all, it's the importance of one of the lessons of Pesach, how we're here for each other. We're here to help each other. We're here to, to get each other out of Egypt. That's one of the reasons why so hard as a pandemic this year, but normally we should be as a collective, we should be in a community, we should be in family, we should be as much as possible with people because we need to help each other out of Egypt. But even more, it's Hashem who's going to heal you. When you're really sick, when you're in a place of imprisonment, it's not about you to get out yourself. That's when Hashem will swoop in and take you out. So Mitzrayim, Hashem swooped in and take us out. Every year, Hashem swoops in and takes us out. When I was stuck in the mud, I couldn't get out myself. I needed someone to swoop in and take me out. During the year, sometimes you have to put the work in which is, let's just quickly speak about that. When it comes to teshuva, when it comes generally to spiritual repentance, you've got to make the first move. As we said, you make that. Someone wants to purify themselves, then he gets helped. So when it comes to spiritual growth, especially it comes to like Rosh Hashanah, you've got to go and do teshuva. You can't just say, hey, Hashem's going to do it for me. You've got to put the step. 
But actually, because it's Hashem who puts you in Egypt. If Hashem who puts you in Egypt, he'll take you out of Egypt. And therefore, what did you have to do? Just have emunah. Just have faith in Hashem that he'll take you out. And I ask all of you now to do that. If any of you are going through your own personal Egypt, just have emunah, say Hashem. I can't get out myself. Swoop in and take me out. Watch what happens when you say that. Watch what happens. It's amazing. Let me tell you a story about a Satan night in Manchester every year. His name is Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Weiss. And he would say his family every year the same story. He said, let me tell you about Emunah. He said, even in the darkest, darkest of places, you need to always hold on to Emunah and it will save your life. He says, let me tell you what happened to me. Rabbi we said he was in Auschwitz. And in Auschwitz, he tried so hard just to retain his emunah to say, Hashem, you're going to swoop in any minute and save me. You're going to save me. You're going to save me. And his friends used to laugh at him and say, really, emunah works. Can you see that gas chambers there? It's not doing a lot for the people that are getting gassed every moment. But he used to say, I don't understand Hashem's ways, but I have emunah. And I know that any minute Hashem can save me, any minute. Rabbi Weiss was getting undressed by the Nazis and he was now going in with his friends to the gas chambers. And his friend said to him, do you have emunah now? Do you have faith now? Where's your faith now? And Rabbi Weiss looked at him and says, of course I have faith. Nothing's going to knock me out of my faith. Any minute Hashem could just swoop in and save me. If Hashem wants to save me, he'll save me. If he wants me to go and meet him in the Garden of Eden, I'll meet him in the Garden of Eden. Either way, I'm with Hashem. I can be with Hashem here. I can be with Hashem there. I've got 100% in Munah. And they were laughing at him. Yeah, you're a nutter. And, and now he's now in the gas chambers. And they said to him, do you have a Munah now? And he goes, I've got a Munah. If Hashem wants to save me, he'll save me. And at that moment, one Nazi guard starts screaming at him. Oi, move further in. Move further in. We need to close the door. And he was so overweight, even though obviously at that time he wasn't that overweight, but he was overweight enough not to be able to close the door. They said, ah, oh, get in. They said, I can't move because I couldn't move in anymore. He said, and they schlepped him out of the gas chamber. So Rabbi Weiss explains. They schlepped him out of the gas chamber and his life was saved at that point. And his emunah worked and he survived Auschwitz and he survived the Holocaust with his emunah. And therefore, all the more so, if he can do that in our areas of our pain and our trauma and our struggles and our Egypt, we need to access that same level of emunah. And if only we could just really, like the baby trusts the mother, the, the mothers to, to, to love the baby and feed the baby and nourish the baby and give the baby whatever. If we have that same love level of emunah in Hashem, Hashem will just be able to swoop in and take us out and that's the real message is you're going through the Haggadah I want you to see it through like a a world of emunah it's a world of emunah it's a world of Hashem entrusting Hashem so why do we have these four levels because one's not enough and this is the point if you want to get on that plane and stay on that plane and get out of Egypt you need to go through the four steps it's the Yud and the He and the Vov and the He so the first one is the Sadiq, it's the first son, it's the first, it's, it's a gift from above, fine. But then by the second one, do you know what Hashem is asking? Hashem says, now you speak, Magit, 
you share. When I help people, when I do coaching, if anybody would like to become a client, then I've got a few slots left. And because we're doing so well, many of our clients don't need me anymore. So we need some new ones. One of the things that gets you out of trauma is to share. You've got to offload. You've got to let out. You've got to not have repressed emotions. There's an amazing book called Healing Back Pain from Dr. Sarno, who talks about how it just physical pain can come from repressed emotions. Hashem knows that and therefore says, Magid, share! Even ki bincha, let your inner child ask. Your, you know, we repress our inner child so much. Sadonite's about sharing, sharing your experiences, sharing what Egypt is for you, sharing the historical event of what happened in the past, what's happening in the present and what you hope for the future. That's why it's a long night. Don't just like, hey, let's just get to the food. You missed the whole point because the point is for you to leave Egypt, for you to leave Egypt. We need to talk about the trauma. Then you'll never get back again. You need to want to leave Egypt. You need to want to stay out. So that's the mugged we share. And at that point, emotionally, you're now being released. You're getting liberty emotionally. And that, I believe, is the second step. And then at the end of Magid, we make a second cup. And now you've had the second level of consciousness coming in. This time, you've now done work in that. Now you're a partner in the, in the redemption. The third, you now have to have matzah. Matzah, this is where it gets really complicated, which I can't go into too much tonight. When you drink the wine, the Arizal says it's coming from something called the Imma. Hashem has relates to us in something called the Pratsufim, the different faces and the Pratsuf of the Imma and the Pratsuf of the Abba, the mother and the father. So the mother, you're getting energy from the mothership as such when we're drinking the wine, which is Bina, which is emotional understanding. And then when you're eating the Matzah, can you see how deep this is, my friends? Do you realize what's going on in all these parallel universes? You Literally, you have no clue what's happening. When you're eating the matzah, the Arizal says, then we're getting a download from chokhmah, of intellectual wisdom. So once you've done that and you've had this new download and now intellectually you're there, and then you've physically eaten the meal. So now you are literally being free. You're now literally having a physical experience of liberty. You're now having your first meal as such. You're having your first meal, then at that point, at that point, you're now ready to have your third cup. And now you've now not only emotionally free, you're intellectually and physically free too. And then the fourth cup. And that's why you've got to stay to the end. And you stay to the end. And then you've, because then you haven't completed Hashem's name. You're not out yet. The fourth cup. With Nirtso, just before Nirtso, now you've you've done Halal, you've thanked Hashem, you've thanked all about gratitude, and mono gratitude, and mono gratitude. You've now thanked Hashem, you've now recognized that you now want to be out, and you're thanking Hashem for taking you out, and you ask Hashem to keep you out, and then finally you make the fourth step, which that fourth level of consciousness comes in is now a fusion, and really takes you back to that first step, but this time now you've done work in, now you've put some emotional, intellectual, physical collaboration into Hashem's swift, swooping in and saving you, you now want to leave. As I said, I think some of you, before there was this young woman that was um, taking drugs at a very high level in a very bad place and her friends swooped in to like remove her from the dealer and take her into a rehab, but she didn't want help so she escaped from that rehab and went back to the dealer so you can swoop in and save but then you rush back to the dealer which is tragically 
what generally most years happens to most people. That even they may, if they're lucky enough to get that first cup, and then there's a bit of freedom, and then before you know it, you've gone back to slavery. And our job is, God forbid, not to let that happen, is to stay, to get out and stay out, to get out and stay out. And the way we do that is through these four steps paralleling these, these four worlds. I hope that's understood. Let me just finish off with one last thing and then I'll take questions. One last thing, two last things, two things. That first cup of Kadesh, Hashem is telling you we're making Kiddush. And essentially there's a beautiful idea to, to remember next time you do go to Egypt, because we, every year we'll end up some way or other in Egypt, because until Mashiach comes, that's the process. And hopefully Mashiach will come immediately. And I really want you to see Eliyahu Novi, see Elijah the prophet at your Seder. The mystics say what's even greater than physically seeing him is believing. Just believing that Eliyahu Novi is there drinking that fifth cup of wine. Just like we're taught Eliyahu Novi comes to every brit milah. Elijah the prophet comes to every circumcision. He comes to every Seder. He's going to come to your Seder. Say hi from me. You know, there was some Kabbalists used to walk him out afterwards and walk him a little bit down the road. And... So amazing things happen to the Seder. Amazing, amazing, amazing things happen if you believe it, if you want it, if you connect to it. And one of the ideas is that Hashem says, koyanim. says in the Torah, Hashem says, you are, you are my priests. We're all priests, even though I'm not physically a Kohen, unlike Johnny over there who's a Kohen. We're all Kohens, we're all priests, we're all royalty, we're all regal. As I said to some, to some of you before, you know, there's this phrase in America, to a, a girl is a Jap, she's a Jewish American princess. We're all, I'm a Jep, I'm a Jewish English prince. And, and, and you know, want to be Israeli, there's Jips and, you know, and Anita's from Turkey, you know, so she's a JTP, right? Where have you pronounced that, right? So it's fine. We're happy to be prince and princesses as long as, God forbid, it's not from ego, because we're coming from royalty. Hashem's given us that this very high, beautiful soul and a privilege to keep the 613 expressions of love. So what a beautiful gift. And therefore, if we do end up in Egypt like Yosef Atsadi, do you know what Joseph did when he was in the prison in Egypt? It says he used to dance. And he used to sing. He used to say, He was singing in prison in Egypt. Why? Because he was still a prince. And you take a prince who knows he's a prince. It doesn't matter where you physically put him, but he still or she still knows you're a prince and princess. You take the Queen of England and put her in a scenario where, you know, put her in, in, a, in a prison. She, she's still the queen. All the more so. The Jewish people, and that's how they've survived. That's how Yosef survived in prison. The Balatanya was in prison. The Rizina, the Marm of Rottenberg, for the last years of his life was in prison. But they didn't care in a sense because they were with Hashem. It was just a different like background. It's like now when you when you're on Zoom, you can have different like virtual backgrounds. So if you start looking at your surroundings as virtual backgrounds. And you know who you are and you love yourself and you're proud of yourself and you feel the love that Hashem is for you. It doesn't matter where you are and there. You might be in physical prison, but you're not imprisoned. You're not a prisoner. You know, there's obviously beautiful lines from Nelson Mandela who wrote really cool stuff about that. You know, he was a good example of someone who was in prison. I think he writes, in my country... We go to prison first and then become the president. And I would just add to be part of the Jewish people, 
we go to prison first, but even there we were a president. Even there, when the Balatani was in prison, he was a president. When Yosef was in prison, he was still Yosef Atzadik. He didn't need to come out of Egypt and then become the same. He, he was the Nevet Hashem. He was a servant of Hashem, even in prison. And I really feel, my dear friends, next time, God forbid, that we get put in a situation we don't want to be. And we're even in this Mitzrayim, never forget who you are. Never forget your Mamleches Koyhanim. You're a nation of priests. You're, you're royalty. And therefore, don't let your surroundings affect you. That was just one idea. And that was the penultimate day. And the final idea, before I take questions, is from, I heard from the amazing Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. And again, this is first year also in Gan Eden on Seder night. And maybe he's with my father. I wouldn't be surprised. They were good friends if they're having Seder night together this year. And I had a really, you know, it's one of the cool things about Facebook. Hashem just brings you what you need to hear in front of your eyes. So, so Rabbi Sachs appeared to me on Facebook um, with a beautiful little story, which I put on my wall, which essentially went like this. He asked a question. It's my final question tonight. The very beginning of Seder night, we say this strange phrase, this is the bread of affliction, which, by the way, that's the paradox. Everything's a paradox of Seder night. Is the bread, some of you discuss, is it a freeing or is it slavery is it the bread of affliction or is it the bread we we ate when we came out of egypt is it meant to taste nice or not which by the way kabbalistically it's very deep it says in, in the gan eden when adam and eve were in gan eden the only things they were meant to eat was fruit do you know that they were just meant to uh eat fruit because they weren't meant to put any work in it was just meant to be ripe apple eat you know, the orange, everything just eat, 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 eat. No work needed. So there's an opinion that the, in the Eta Das Tevara, one of the opinions is that it was flour. What does that mean? You know, what does that mean that they eat, they eat, I always say a bagel, they had a bagel. How can they have a bagel? You've got to cook the bagel. So the mystics say they ate matzah, meaning that the flour that was edible immediately, there was no, nothing, the matzah is the closest we have to there's no extra ingredients in it. It's just, as innate and automatically organic and, and, and very no human intervention involved. And that's why actually it's one of the things that we do, which almost um, tantamounts and parallels the Garden of Eden experience. Remember a lot of what we're doing that Arizal writes at the beginning of Sharkavon is, is actually making, it's fixing up the sin of, of, of Adam and Eve. You have to understand that. Again, the wine, because the majority opinion is they were drinking wine. So it's a lot of this tikkun of the chet of Adam and Rishon. We're fixing up the sin of Adam and Eve. That's really why we're in Egypt. That's what we're doing in Seder night. We're not just fixing up our own mistakes in our own Egypt. We're doing it much more on a macro communal scale for the Am Yisrael. And really the origin of that is what the matzah and the wine is. It's fixing up the problems of Gan Eden. But Rabbi Sachs asked, that wasn't what Rabbi Sachs said, so Dobber Pinson said that. Rabbi Sachs said the following. We have made this line which where we say, if anybody wants to eat, let him come and eat. We start inviting guests. My question is, no one's coming. What? That's a bit late. Hello. Why are you inviting guests after the Seder started? If you want to invite guests now, is a good time to invite guests. The government might be about set. So maybe don't. But with that, if there was no pandemic, we just have loads of guests. And it's a good thing to have guests. So why are we inviting guests when the Seder started? And he says a really cool Stories is Rabbi Sachs. Rabbi Sachs says he found the answer to that when he read a book. And he read a book 
which I'm just trying to remember what it was called. It was called something like, I'm not a man or something, from a survivor, from a survivor in the war. And essentially it said the following story. The survivor said that the worst time Primo Levi, was pre, 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 Primo Levi said at the end of the war, the worst parts of Auschwitz, he writes, was actually when the Nazis left. When the Nazis left for those 10 days between when the, they went and, and the Russians then came, they took a death march and Primo Levi wasn't well enough to be on the death march. So he was left with no food, with no light, in the darkness in Auschwitz. He said, incredibly scary, up until a point where they were scrambling for food and one of his friends found some food and said, wow, I can share it. We haven't been allowed to share it for as long as we've been in Auschwitz. We can finally share the food. The Nazis banned us from sharing food. Part of being in prison was we couldn't share the food. Says Rabbi Sachs, Primo Levi said, at that point, I realized I'm a free man. Now I can share. Says the chief rabbi, may his name only receive praise. That, that's who we are. The fact that we say at the beginning of that, say tonight, and we can share this. That denotes our freedom. The fact that we can share, and it's such a gift to be able to share food. We, we think like, big deal. It's the biggest deal. It's, it's in a huge siman of cheirut. It's a huge sign of freedom. And we shouldn't forget that. And he ends with the most beautiful line. We are not simply redeemed on Seder night. We are agents of redemption. I love that line. We're agents of redemption. That is the Jewish people. Your, your, your job should you choose to accept, is not just for merely for you to get on the plane and to leave, it's to take everyone with you. Our job is to, to be a light to the nations, to get to a place where the whole world is redeemed. There'll be a tikkun olam, the whole world is redeemed. When Mashiach comes, the whole world will say, Hashem achod achod. And our job is not just to look after ourselves in a selfish, narcissistic way, God forbid. Our job is to care for everyone the whole of mankind, to care for everyone and to do what we can to be agents of redemption. May Hashem bless us that we all merit this year, the year 5781, 3,333 years after Egypt to be the year when finally we genuinely become agents of redemption and Mashiach comes and we build the first, the third beautiful Beis Amigdash, Bimhera, the Amenu Amen. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Thank you so, so much for joining us, everyone. And any questions? Happy to take questions. Happy Pesach, everybody. If anybody has questions, obviously, to you now. And Pesach, if you haven't sold your chametz, I'm happy to, sell, to send you my form of how to sell. So you're saying angels of redemption. He actually said agents of redemption. Even, it's also beautiful to be an agent of redemption. Danny's in the house. Nice to see you, Danny. What's happening, brother? So my, the picture... I'll show you my pictures, okay? I'll show you my pictures. Oh. So I just found two of my beautiful pictures. This is of the great Chazan Ish, Avraham Karelitz, the famous great Sadiq from Bnei Brak. And that is the his student that I, that I used to learn a lot from, called Rabbi Desla, Mikhtar Meliyahu, who's an incredible great mystic. And over here 
you have one of the greatest, a Sadiqan called the Stipler, and that's his son, who's the number one Kabbalist in the world today. No one near him, called Reb Chaim Kanievsky um, in Bnei Brak. So uh, that's my pictures for today. Yeah, any questions? Someone said they had a question. What was your question? Yeah. Is the firstborn, oh, so, so don't, but we don't fast. What we should do, right, is we should go to a seam if you can. If you come to my garden minion tomorrow, I think it's 31 Hillview Gardens at 7.30 in the morning and we'll do the seam at 8.15. I'm also a firstborn. And what we join for a, if, if a, a festive meal that someone's finished a part of Torah and then we don't have to fast. That's the custom of what we do. The eve of Passover, the eve of Passover is actually not a, if you haven't, then we need to fast because the firstborns were saved and there's a custom to fast and the tomorrow night's the fast. So just very quickly, seven comets between now. Tomorrow night is when you do the searching for comets, right? Tomorrow night is when you do the searching for comets and, and then you make the nullification statement. Of if there's something you didn't find. And then Friday morning, we do the burning of chomets. That's when you should burn your chomets. The beer chomets should be done Friday morning. And then on Shabbat, I would really recommend get some egg matzahs because we have to have a mozi lecha mina oretz. But it's obviously to have lots of challah in the home is not a good idea. A few hours before Pesach, so I recommend you get egg matzahs and have two egg matzahs for Friday night two egg matzahs for Shabbos morning. You've got to have it before 10 o'clock in the morning. By 10 o'clock, you've got to finish it. And by 11 o'clock, Shabbos morning, you make this. You, you make the nullification. I'm happy, to, please God, thank you, Sherry. Remind me if I don't do it, to, I'll post the nullification statement, which is called, you can say in English, that if I've really basically mislaid, that there's any leaven anywhere, any chomets anywhere that I own anywhere. It's no longer mine. It's not mine anymore. And I make it totally hefka. I make it totally onerous, like the, like the afro da ara, like the sand, like the dust. So that's a good kind of way that even if you've made a mistake and there is some chomets somewhere, you just make it onerous and say, it's not mine. So please God, yeah, I will do that. Any other questions? Happy to take it. I'm on a roll. So yalla, bring them on. We've got saved and I get more energy around this time of year. Any other questions? Yeah, Katie, big time because maybe there's some crumbs somewhere. Maybe the stuff that, because you can't really sell crumbs. Yeah, it is, Avigal, no problem. No problem. Um, good question. So really follow your machsa, right? But we do, so by the way, you don't light your Havdalah candle. What you do is you, the candles you lit for Yom Tov, which you should be lighting from an existing flame because you're not allowed to strike a match on, on, on Pesach. So what you do is you get a 48 hour, oh, sorry, a 72 hour candle for those of us outside Israel. And then you light from that for your, two candles for Yom Tov for Saturday night. And then those are the candles you use for Havdalah, Oli. You got that? So just like when you, you'll be making Kiddush, you'll see in the Machsa, in the Kiddush, you start with Kiddush and then a certain point it will say, and now you say Havdalah. And that point you'll, you'll say Barei Marei Ha'esh and you'll go to the candles and you'll get benefit in your nails from the candles. Uh, but we don't smell spices because we've got Yom Tov. We don't need to be, have the resuscitation because we're still, 
super duper connected. Hope you feel better, Johnny. So that answered your question, Ollie, right? So it's, it is actually really crazy complicated this year, crazy with, but maybe that whole Shabbos Sunday thing could be what we need to bring Mashiach. Ricky, what if I don't have bread to burn? Um, so if you've got anything, have you got like anything, like any, like um, any, any, what would be, you know, chomets, which isn't gluten, there must be, you tell me. But, but if not, then yeah, it could be worth just, you know, um, getting just like a, a bagel to burn, if need be. Um, you could do that. But I'm sure you probably got some comments if you really search for it. And there's so he's those. You don't, I'm saying you don't extinguish anything, Ollie. You don't extinguish, God forbid. Last thing you want to do on Pesach, God forbid, is extinguish because then you're breaking Yom Tov. Yeah, so please, I'm so happy it was worth this whole conversation just that we have this, that you're not going to extinguish nada this week, right? You're just going to like, just look at them and then you just go back. We don't pour it into the wine this week, not this week, because one of it's actually a malacha to extinguish a candle. So, Ollie, you there? No extinguishing. Is Amy there as well? Have you enjoyed it? it? I love it. It's like a nice couple's evening. Like you've got this lovely married couple that they're just watching the talk together. How sweet. So we're doing the mitzvah of Shalom Bias at the same time. Um, yeah. Any other questions, my friends? Any other questions? Any other questions? Dum, 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 dum. So have a happy Pesach, everybody. Happy Pesach, Chag Sameach. It should be kosher and it should be happy. And uh, Soar says that when you're eating the meal, make sure you're just feeling lots of joy and happiness. It should be done by Simcha. So he talks a lot about there should be tremendous joy and happiness when you're having the meal. And that really helps you get on that plane. So the four stages Ori was saying was number one is the Kadesh, is the free gift that Hashem comes and swoops you in. Second one is you've now shared, you've now emotionally discussed that you want to be free and stay free and you've offloaded. Three is you're now intellectually and physically there as well because you've had the matzah and you've eaten the food. And fourth, it's the combination of all the above that you now want to go and Hashem wants you to go and you want to stay out and Hashem approves and then you stay out. They're my four. Cool, Ali. Pleasure. Pleasure, Crystal. Thank you for joining. And yeah, thank you for joining. Hashem should bless you on your journey. Um, cool. My dear friends, I'm going to go, but happy for you to send me messages whenever you want. God bless. Happy Pesach. During Yom Tov Chag, what you do is you read all your beautiful books that I've given you. Great time to read. Have a walk. Relax. Chill. Pray, lots of Tehillim, Shir Hashirim was good as well. God bless everybody.